cut my life into pieces. Good evening and welcome to A Cut Above Horror Review. It's a podcast where we review all things horror. I'm your host, Jacqueline, and tonight we will be discussing the film The Babadook from 2014. But first, let's meet everyone else on the show. First, I'd like to give a very special welcome to our guest host this evening. It's Randy from the Straight Chillin' Podcast. Welcome to the show, Randy. Hey, how's it going? I feel very naked without my soundboard right now. <laughs> very exposed. Randu! Randu! Thank you. Thank you for filling in the gaps for me. <laughs> you're, you're, at our, you're at our mercy now, even though we have no bumps or anything like that. So not as sophisticated as you guys, but we're so happy to have you on the show. You are the third uh, member of the Straight Chilling crew to appear on our show. But though you are last, you are certainly not least. Um, oh, best for last. That's what I was taught in my my household. So taking okay. it that way. <laughs> Do that. Uh, but no, you're super insightful and I can't wait to hear uh, what you have to contribute about this film. Um, really looking forward to getting into it with you. So again, thanks for taking the time to be on the show. I know you're a very busy guy. Oh yeah, no sweat. Happy to be here. <laughs> thanks. Next up, we got Hyderberg. What's up, Hyderberg? What's going on, guys? How I'm you not, doing? I'm not fangirling out at all. That ain't <laughs> on the uh, show. Bullshit. <laughs> Bullshit. No, John I'm gave okay. a strong, stern, stern warning before you guys hopped on. I was like, okay, there's going to be did. some fan and fanning. There was, a, there was a group text, too, where he was like, listen, guys, don't fan <laughs> keep your shit out. together. <laughs> he surprised us with Soju a, a couple episodes like, oh. months ago. I didn't know that was a surprise. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. We were very thrown off. And on the inside, I was crumbling apart. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, nothing like zero list celebrities to really like meeting one of my daddy the screws to you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And last up, we got John. What's going on, John? Rob Zombie. <clears throat> Are you getting oh, you it out of the way right, early, nice. huh? right away. There we go. Randy, it's like an unspoken rule that Rob Zombie has to be mentioned in some form or another uh, in every episode. I'm sure so. John's working on uh, getting yeah, him on here a- via cameo or something. Well, so right. Hold on. hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah, devil man. <laughs> oh shit! That's that's Rob. what we're just gonna do all night. Randy, <laughs> Randy, thank you so much for coming on. I, I do want to say that um, we completed the trifecta. Um, last mm-hmm. but not least, but Randy, Gandy, Jilandy, or Randu, as everybody says. Um, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, buddy. Yeah, happy to do it. And believe me, there's more names than that. I'm sure. I'm sure there we go. <laughs> Some of them pretty crass. There you go. <laughs> so, Jacqueline, um, this month of February, we're doing something very special for horror movies. Yes, this month is Women in Horror Month. And so to recognize some of the female creators in the horror space, we are choosing this month to every week select a film that was directed by a female director um, because we feel that they just don't get enough recognition overall. So we really want to take advantage of this special time to talk about some really awesome stuff made by women. Uh, So you can look forward to that every week. So that's four episodes this month. And also just a quick little plug, I will be appearing on our friend Nicole's podcast called light and shadow horror podcast and we'll be discussing some of the most influential women in horror and not just directors but writers producers uh, actresses even characters so we're gonna 
try to cover a lot of bases in a very short amount of time. So really just kind of an overview, if you will, but you can look forward to that within the next couple of weeks, I believe, but we'll, we'll be announcing that when it's officially out. Well done. Can, can I Excellent. just give a shout out to a woman that I admire in uh, the, the horror community? Absolutely. <laughs> it's you, Jacqueline. Aww. I admire you. And I couldn't imagine doing the show without you. I just Thank let you. you know I thought you were going to put your undying devotion for Darcy out there into the world again. I thought so too. <laughs> That's on social media. Everybody knows that. that okay. Darcy all right, yeah. That's not, that doesn't take a special month. It's just kind of an everyday thing, right? We've just yeah, loved Darcy all, all year round. It's eternal. <laughs> But thank you, Hydraberg. I appreciate it. And I love you boys, too. You are. Yeah, we appreciate you. And and by the way, Randy, congratulations on your oh, yeah. uh, recent, most recent um, journey into life. I wish you and Becky the utmost happiness in your future. Thanks, He's married now. So, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, most... so all the ladies back off. He's off the market. You're soliloquizing here. I love it. Yeah, I could see you, you uh, so writing that greeting card right on the spot there. <laughs> <laughs> I know an illustrator. Mm. Yes, we do too. All right, John, I believe you have a couple of news stories for us. Am I right? A little bit. Uh, Scream 6. I know that some of us have seen this movie, uh, Scream 5. Actually, a go for Scream 6. Getting ready to film this summer. We excited about this or what? Nah. Yeah. <laughs> Nah. As as a rule, I'm not excited for for slasher sequels because you know d- just the smart money's on it being disappointing, even in a mostly successful franchise like Scream. Oh my god! Yeah, I still haven't seen the most recent one, so um, oh. I know that a, I know that a lot of people felt very positive about that movie. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that, but I don't want to make any predictions until I've seen that at least. But I mean, it was successful. It it did a lot of did a lot of good things at the box office. So I imagine that was encouraging to the production company and they just wanted to I think it's the same keep it team. Going. It Sorry? is. Yeah. It's the same team. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm curious, uh, Randy and uh, Hydraberg, you guys have seen it. Do you think it's going to go in a more serious way or keep that meta kind of vibe? to? It's it? got to stay meta. I mean, that's, that's the whole mm. step to scream, right? Oh yeah, I don't think you can have a screen movie without meta commentary. And yeah. I, to your answer your question though, like compared to like Scream Four, Three, and Two, Scream Five was definitely a step in a more serious direction. I would say over in terms of tone, but it's still mm-hmm. meta. So right. I think they'll probably just try and ride that horse uh, a little further. And all I just wonder if they're going to go with those new characters that they establish, or are they going to still bring in some of the legacy characters? I think they might be really like really trying to quickly establish a uh, new final girl situation so that yeah, Sydney like, can rest. <laughs> it's like scream the new class, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. Goosebumps coming out with a live action reboot. It's going to be on Disney plus uh, 10 episode series coming out later in 2022. Uh, anybody read Goosebumps? Oh, yeah. Not me. Uh, I was already a little too old for Goosebumps by the time those became popular. I had already cut my teeth on the Fear Street books. And by seventh grade, I'd moved on to Stephen King. So Goosebumps was not not for me at that time. Yeah, Goosebumps is like, like, like definitely like the out of R.L. Stein's batch of novels. Like that's his tamer franchise. So I was a Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew kind of guy, Tom Swift. 
Is that true? A little bit. Yeah. When I was young, I used to read those novels. That's dope. Yeah. All time classics. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. put, get you right into the mystery zone, you know, like mm-hmm. good mystery book is hard to hard to pass up yeah. if you're a reader, unlike me, yeah. who <laughs> can't even read a fucking cereal box. Can Come I on. curse on here? You <laughs> can, yes, you can. Absolutely. Yes. OK, cool. I've already kind of crossed the room. <laughs> Too <that>. late. <laughs> we have a segment called Does It Fuck or Suck? So. Oh, yeah. 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 So I, I think Stupid question. Safe. There we go. <laughs> and, a, and a reach around. So, yeah. Which can be tender, so it's not necessarily. It's true. Yeah. It feels good, by the way. John, I'm trying to get us back on track here. John, are you gonna have any interest in that Goosebumps series? I know that you were too a little too old for that as well. I was when those books were. Um, out. No, not really. Um, but we do have Joe Bog coming back on Friday. He's doing the the Valentine's Day special, whatever it is. I want to give a little plug to Straight Chillin' Podcast because they're going to be doing a live watch party. Make sure you join them wherever you get your uh, social medias because you'll get a link to that to be I'll able be to watch That's it true. live. That's true. It should be it should be fun for those who can attend. <laughs> Wait, hold on a second. But, but I did read today that the Dragula brothers are going to be on there. The Boulay brothers? That's it. Yeah, the Boulay yeah. brothers. They, they host Dragula, a okay. show called Dragula. Yeah. Yeah. No, that that I was excited for that because like God, I can only imagine they're like I don't know if you how familiar you guys are with the Boulay brothers, but having watched some of Dragula, it's it's RuPaul's drag race, but yep. like somehow more catty and <laughs> infinitely more terrifying and uh body horror-esque. They yeah, just go full deep into the horror zone. So it's very horror driven so yes i I have seen it the joe bob interacting with that sounds like i can't even predict anything that could happen in that situation i'm sure it will be very very taxing on darcy it's gonna be a rob zombie movie you think (laughs) might be maybe maybe make them make them confront their crimes of stealing the name dragula i guess and burn through the witches slam in the back of my Dragula. You know what? That's right. I strongly recommend that everybody check out that watch party. Those watch parties with the Straight Chillin' team are so much fun. That's how I actually first got to know John and Hyderberg. It was before we even met on the on the Slack channel. I joined one of the watch parties, so um, it's a really good time. Everybody cracking jokes and watching some movies that are sometimes entertaining and sometimes just too bad to watch but no just uh, say they suck Jacqueline they suck, some of the movies suck okay sometimes they suck yeah, but they're but... more fun to watch together at least exactly Absolutely. no no unwatchable how... without input from Joe Bob <laughs> yeah. That's right. well I think more than the input from Joe Bob just the joking around with with the whole gang mm, yeah. and having kind of the party atmosphere and everybody just having a good time and and joking back and forth so i strongly recommend that and i have a soft spot in my heart for his valentine special because last year that special was my first exposure to the film tammy and the t-rex which instantly (laughs) became like my new favorite film (laughs) it's so entertaining so uh i can't wait to see what what he's going to show this week are you serious yes (laughs) you've seen it right (laughs) That is a damn entertaining movie. No, it's not. You, you broke John. He ain't coming back. <laughs> no, I'm not coming back. How Tammy is argue- T-Rex with Paul Walker and Denise Richards. Yes, oh, how boy. can you argue that that is not an entertaining movie? That's some good gore, too, I think, right? 
And I like was, dinosaurs I sets, and I mean, wow, it's go hilarious. Back. We might have to review that one. Well, we can have Bob that, on. Now that I see you John's should. reaction, I'm definitely picking it. That's a Bob you put him on. No, if not. you want to f- completely fuck up the curve, put Bob on here to talk about Tammy and the T-Rex. He will <laughs> destroy the average. Uh, in the upward direction or in the downward direction? Oh, in the upward. upper direction. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, he's got the blue. That's because he's oh, smart. Yeah. He's. I can't tell. There's no movie that I can think of that Rob has pressed more firmly on me watching than that one. I still just haven't. And like, not out of like spite or anything. I just haven't gotten around to it. And Rob probably brings it up a few times a year, I think. Randy, trust me, please watch this movie. Like, grab some friends. I don't care who they are. Have a few drinks and watch this movie. You won't be sorry. Don't listen to John. Don't listen to John. There's some charm. I will be off that week. I'll be sick that week. Nope. Excuse nope. me. Nice. Okay, then we'll just postpone until you're all healthy. John, we reviewed Thanks Killing, and you you attended that one. You can't attend Tammy and the T Rex. No. Please. You <laughs> have some misplaced priorities, my friend. I do. <laughs> okay. Any other news, John? Nope, we're good. All right, let's get it together. Uh, this was your pick this week, John. That's- the Babadook. Would you like to tell us why you chose this film for us? Uh, I think this movie is, uh, oh God, is so well made. Uh, Jennifer Kent is a fantastic director, and um, yeah, I don't want to say too much about it, so okay. we can get in the review. So there we go. Okay. It's Women of Horror Month. So there we go. True story. Director Jennifer Kent. Mm-hmm. All and right. writer, I believe, too, right? Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. true, true story. Well, gentlemen, let's decide whether this movie fucks or sucks. John, you chose the film, so why don't you go ahead first? Very simply, this movie fucks. However, you'll cry while you're fucking. Oh, that I sounds like a great European time. Style. Personally, <laughs> what, Randy? European style. European. Mm. Ah, <laughs> Where's <yeah>. the bomb? <laughs> I, t- oh, I have to man- the the analog today. Straight show and exclusive. There you go. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, put a TM behind that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Randy, would you like to tell us next whether you think it fucks or sucks? Oh, yeah. Um, Given the options, I think fucks is the more appropriate of the two, certainly. Um, Honestly, this is a, this is, this movie in particular holds a special place in my heart because it sort of was, I guess it's kind of like on, the pinnacle of the the era in which I started getting back into horror movies, like on a nerd level, Um, because I hadn't really done that since, you know, early college, maybe I hadn't really dug in, but this was right around that time. And this was the first like new horror movie I saw. I was like, Oh my God, what have I been missing for years now? I got to go back and see all this stuff. So yeah, it's a hard fucks. That's awesome. So it's kind of like a, the marker of a Renaissance for you. Kind of. Yeah. I mean, it's just like reintegrated me into the, into the, the community a little bit so oh you Jacqueline I think this movie fucks really good yep almost as much as Tammy and the (laughs) T-Rex don't give away your (laughs) review of Tammy and the T-Rex we haven't even touched it okay okay I won't get it you have to touch before you can fucks yeah that's true (laughs) uh yeah so I I don't even want to say too much more about it just it really fucks so Hydraberg um it's funny what Andy said. Um, like this definitely was one of those movies that when I started getting back into horror, because I've always 
liked horror, but never actually gave it in my all, you know, like tried to watch every movie in the genre and different subgenres. And this movie was definitely one of those movies where I was like, oh, wow, this is what horror is doing nowadays. Like it's I don't want to say elevated, but it's just it's better than I remember. You know, I mean, they're doing really good stories, really good scripts. So, yeah, this film fucks for sure. But I you should use protection at risk of having like a little brat kid like Samuel. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's one of the standouts of the last decade for me in the genre. And it's a repeat fuck. Awesome. Ooh, okay. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is no this is no trollop. This is a lady you bring home to your parents <laughs> <laughs> who screams in their face. <laughs> All right. Well, before we spoil the shit out of this, John, why don't you hit us with the spoiler warning? All right, spoiler alert. We're going to be talking about the Babadook from 2014, right? Correct. 2014. In its entirety, if you have not seen this movie, make sure you pause the podcast, go watch it, and then come back to find out what we thought about it. Back to you, Jacqueline. Hyderberg, I cannot wait to hear your reach around plot summary of this film. Do you have one? I have one, and I'm ready to go. All right. Open the book and take a look, and out will pop the Babadook. Tense with fear until you spook that feelings from the Babadook. Tear it up and burn the book. The very next day, it's on your stoop. You can't get rid of the Babadook. Friends and family see you as a kook, but they can't see the Babadook. A father was prematurely took. A mother's grief was not partook. Stuffed away downstairs inside its nook. That pain it caused the Babadook. Filled with loss from what that one night took. Her being forever shook. Her son she began to overlook. Though her love for him is what it took to keep at bay the Babadook. Whoa. That was a perfect movie for limericks. (laughs) A lot of ooks in that. Hyderberg, that was ambitious. You stuck with like the same rhyme scheme for every Yeah, I thought about doing one of my normal ones, but I was like, I kind of want to make it sound like the the poem. Yeah, like the book. The book. There you go. That's awesome. Very ambitious. Yeah. Thank you. Every week. And I'm nervous as shit. I'm going to be honest, Andy. Oh, anytime What's when the chilling boys get on, I'm like, uh, uh. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, away, I guess. It's all good. The rest of us get like significantly less um, coherent <laughs> whenever one of you guys is on. Oh, well, you know, I'm so glad I bring out the best. My palms are sweaty, knees weak, arms are heavy. There's vomit on my sweater. Oh, I thought you were going to throw another spaghetti. little rhyme. I was expecting another rhyme. Eminem. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Oh, it's another rhyme, but it's one that will get you guys in yeah, uh, it's not an trouble with with uh, Dr. Dre ASCAP or whoever. Oh, OK. Do not go to Detroit. All right, let's dig I was off. too uncool to pick up on that. So <laughs> you never seen Eight right. Mile? No, I didn't see Eight Mile. All right, we're going to have to review it. Oh, my God. This is getting out of out of hand. Mm-hmm. Out of control. You have your very own version of Ghost now. I guess. Eight Mile. This is a horror movie. That's my favorite horror movie. Eight Mile. <laughs> God. Anyway. So you can't give me shit about Tammy the T Rex anymore, John. I will. Okay. I know you will. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about this thing. Um, where shall we begin, gentlemen? I don't know. The themes, hmm. maybe? Yeah. Some of the themes. Well, should we go ahead? Well, okay. Let, maybe we should address. Plot? Maybe we should address the elephant in the room, which is what everybody calls the really annoying child. <laughs> I find Samuel to be endearing. I do too. 
Yeah. I think, yeah, he's a troubled child. But if you look at why he is that way, I mean, his mother never she never dealt with the grief of her lost husband. And she's blamed Samuel's birth ever since. And she doesn't even celebrate the day of his birth on that yes. day because of that. Yep. And the poor kid and- just wants to know his father and, and get love that he deserves from his mother. And he never really did. I mean, you see their relationship in the beginning. Like, yeah, she cares for him, but not the way she does in the very end. You know, like there's a transformation. Yeah. Yeah. Character I totally agree with you. I just you didn't will. expect you to say that. I, th- I thought you were going to like go on a rant about how annoying the kid was. No, so I mean, he, yeah, he is in a way, but that's the point, right? Like she's yeah. overwhelmed and he's he's lacking, you know, parental supervision the way he should have been raised. You know what I mean? And I don't know. I like his I, little magic tricks and his little he's like a smart kid. He's good at like he's he built a fucking crossbow out of like fra- like uh, <laughs> like framing or whatever the like uh, trim yeah. trim work in the house like and a catapult like he's a yeah, that's what i was saying the catapult like yeah he loves yeah, he might be and... there's something like this movie has a lot in common with uh we need to talk about kevin um, oh my god which is unfortunate yeah. to say yeah but i like unfortunately it has a much more <laughs> weirdly this horror movie has a much more pleasant result but i would actually go further and say that if if samuel wasn't as annoying as he is then i don't think this movie works as well i think he yeah. actually sells the horror to some extent, because you start to identify with the person who is slowly going mad and wanting to murder their child. Mm-hmm. So very effective in making you complicit in something horrible. <laughs> well, I, I think they do that brilliantly because it's, there's blank pages. And as she reads through it more, you see it like yeah. you see, see, uh, the the illustration, and I believe uh, Randy, you have the book, but you see the mother like strangling her child and, and cutting her. Oh, look! Look at that, Mr. Babadook. Look at that. He's got it. I mean, that's oh, yeah. sexy. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. It looks. It looks exactly. <laughs> you guys can't see this, but Randy has a copy of Mr. Babadook, the the book, and it looks exactly like the book in the movie. It's so it does. Cool. I'll never get rid of it. No, you will not. Try as you might. Yeah. She needs to be at wit's end because mm-hmm. that's what works. That's that's like what broke her psyche. That and the fact that she's never dealt with her grief properly. Like, obviously, I like the Babadook's not a real monster, right? Like it's it's right. made up in her mind almost. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. We, yeah, yeah, I actually think in my in our, on straight chilling, I think I am like devil's advocate in my way into arguing that it was not and that it was real but it's pretty plainly an allegory yeah (laughs) like first and foremost yeah i don't think she's very subtle about the the symbol symbolism of the babadook here um but i don't think it's like ham-fisted i think it's just you know Mm -hmm. clear and well like well told well you don't know that until like you finish the movie and you're like okay yeah so that's what this was like. It was never it, it, like the nuts and bolts of, of internal logic of how a monster works. Stop like to just dissipate because it's clear that what was happening was this woman was at her wits end because of her annoying, damaged child and her own grief got the better of her. And unfortunately, that is a real thing that can happen. And mm-hmm. it's very terrifying to consider. Well, you I, don't I, need a real monster for it to be scary. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I kind of love the story of. The husband died when Samuel was born, like the day of. And it's like, yeah. that's why we never celebrate your birthday. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I, I'm with you guys. I actually feel really, uh, I feel a lot of compassion for Samuel. I feel a lot of compassion for all the characters in this movie, actually, but I'll kind of get to that down the road. But when it comes to Samuel, it's like, if you consider his point of view and the reality that he's experiencing, which like in real life, of course, could not be real. Like there's, there's not a literal monster and there could not be in real life. And of course, you know, adults, reasonable adults would discount the things that he's saying about there being a monster and this and that. But within the movie, he's right that something is very, very wrong. And if we accept that reality, then he's a really brave, sweet, loving and precocious child. I mean, he's six Mm -hmm. years old and he is taking it upon himself to construct weapons to protect his mother. He's the man of the house. Yeah, like his mother is not really capable of being the adult in in the house. And he is like taking, he's like stepping up and he's never had a father to show him how to do that. He's just a very brave little soul. And um, he's very loving. He, He says, yes, he has some like shrill moments and some like emotional meltdowns, but that's every, I mean, that's every kid anyway. Yeah. Um, let alone a kid in such traumatic circumstances. But he's very loving towards his mother. I mean, even when he's getting in trouble, he's like, I just, I just want to protect you or I just want you to be happy. Uh, and he like caresses her face, even when she's kind of just yelled at him. That's a choking him out. Heart, that yeah. caress itself comes into play later so much. Yeah. At the very he, end too. And he's very precocious. I mean, a kid who's like, watching these videos about magic tricks and then sort of imitating the cadence of the magician and doing these mm-hmm. tricks and, and trying to learn them. I mean, at six years old, six years old, I think that's very um, like impressive. And I mean, I would be so proud of my child, you know, if you were six years old and doing that kind of thing. Um, and I think, I think it's scary in general to be a child. I think this movie kind of taps into the, the awareness that I think children often have of how vulnerable they are and how reliable, like how much they have to rely on the adults in their lives. And if the only adult in their life is unreliable, that's so destabilizing and like unmooring. Yeah. Um, And I thought the same thing. It was, it it was like he was deciding between good and evil, but he went, he chose to protect his mom. Like, like, like when he put on the hat, that was a very big i guess scene in the movie where it was like i could be the babadook but i chose to protect her you know she she was so um she was so up in the air it like like she almost hated samuel Mm -hmm. she resents him exactly what he stands for because the day he was born was the day she lost the love of her life i want to like like jacqueline you said something to the effect that like um that that uh the mom whose name i'm completely blanking amelia Uh, amelia Amelia. thank you amelia is like not capable of being capable of of being the adult in the situation and that becomes true but it doesn't really start true she just starts out really downtrodden and so does he like the thing is the 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 stressors of being like in this grieving position for amelia is like she bottles it up she quietly resents her son resents herself for resenting her son and just you know keeps calm and carries on while her son is dealing with his own thing like the babadook as like a, as a metaphor for their mutual grief as mm-hmm. conjured by a child and then adopted by the adult 
as part of her psychological break is a brilliant melding of two like pathos. You know what I mean? Like there's the the idea that, you know, I don't know. Like, like I think that, you know, they, they carried these things with them. They don't like, especially Amelia, she carries them, but like even Samuel is, is put upon by the outside world all the time. They both are, but he is specifically hated by even members of his own family. Yeah. Only the little old lady next door gives a shit about him, him, her and his mom. Right. Well, there, there was a scene where um, Samuel pushes his cousin out the Mm -hmm. uh, tree house, but it's because she's egging him on. Yeah, she was saying oh, she's so cruel. Shit. She's so yeah. cruel. And she's it's like, just like your father died because what? he didn't want to be around you or something. Yeah. Like that. And I, I, he was I, not I the some... aggressor in that situation. Absolutely. He was not. He was not. Like a child reacts. <laughs> like... If my kid did that, I'd be like, oh, you know, tisk tisk, <laughs> yeah. but. So I'm I mean, assuming yeah, like, that as, the thing is he doesn't get the benefit of the doubt because he's already hated. So no matter what he says, because it's a he said she said thing, right? Like, you know, he's the one that hurt somebody. So he fucks himself, but he's too young to know that. So, and so, the mom so, even, yeah. So the mom was actually what the sister of the husband. Yeah, it's his aunt. Oh, okay. Um, I think it's Amelia's sister, isn't it? Yeah, Amelia. I thought, I thought it was. That's Amelia's what I thought sister. too. Yeah. yeah, they have a yeah. sister relationship, so. like direct. Yeah. That's how I read it anyway. And like Amelia mm-hmm. even like lashed out at one of the people at the party that day too. So like the sister was not having yeah. it. And that lady deserved it. I'm by sure the way. did. Oh, like, I work with disadvantaged way. women like you. Really? Do they tell you to fuck yourself? Like I'm going to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but no, so Randy, like, I think you're absolutely right. I I guess I guess though I would say even in the beginning, she's not like totally, I mean she unravels gradually as the movie goes on. But I think even at the beginning, she's not like totally emotionally available. Yeah. Um, no. Yeah. She, she's frayed around yeah. every edge for sure. Yeah. So yeah, I, but, that, but that's what I, I mean. don't, I don't mm-hmm. think that, that, that it was who she was. It was what sh- her circumstances of like, oh, yeah. having to deal with this. I mean, like for me, I felt for her the entire movie. You know, mm-hmm. even when she was choking out, uh, uh, what's his name? Samuel. But, yeah, Samuel. And it was just like, like you kind of understood it, but you're pulling for her to pull out of this, and she did. Mm-hmm. And she so fed like, her demon. She fed her her guilt, I know, guess. You know, you with don't, worms. You know what's interesting is you, you watch The Shining, you don't identify with Crazy Jack. No, you, you don't. don't identify with, you know, like, you know, there's there's a lot of movies where, you know, a parent or a trusted family member turns on people like maybe because it goes maybe just for whatever reason. And you don't really get to see anything like you don't you don't feel yourself identifying with that person as they're like transgressing against their own children. This movie manages that it straddles it a line that is incredibly difficult yeah. to straddle. And I can totally relate to her, honestly, like dealing with grief. It's a, it's a complex thing and everyone does it in their own way and at their own pace. And like she had to do that while raising Samuel and she was struggling the whole time with her emotions. She literally kept them locked up downstairs like the father's mm-hmm. things like Samuel wasn't even allowed to really know about his father. And, you know, over time, that just manifested into what became the Babadook, I guess, you know. Mm-hmm. Those feelings definitely did. And then like her feeding yeah. maggots and like giving scraps to this monster that still, you know, is still frightening to Amelia. Like, but but that she has to visit in order to feed and keep complacent. Like that, mm-hmm. like that is 
you can't get rid of compartmentalization. You can't get rid of grief. Like you, you live with grief. You don't yep. excise grief from your body mm-hmm. unless you get there every day you're in a fucking coma or something. Right. So. Well, she learns that she can face it. And even if she's afraid, it's not going to kill her. Like she can look it in the face and stay calm and, mm-hmm. and, and address it. The only it. person that can kill the only person, the only thing that kills in this entire movie is Amelia. She kills the dog and yeah. she comes very close to killing her own son. Mm-hmm. And that's like, that's it. Everything else is. Another fucking dog dying. Mine. So we have a lot of those on this podcast. Yeah, we do. <laughs> you know, I, as I said before, I have a lot of compassion for all the characters in this movie, and uh, I have a lot of compassion for Amelia, more so than I used to before I was a parent. Oh, absolutely. Hmm. And so I, I feel when I watch this film now, after having had three kids, it's like. Even in the very best of circumstances, you know, assuming you have a, a loving spouse to help you raise your children and they contribute and you're financially stable and you have resources and family support. And I mean, all the, all the things that make for the best possible parenting experience, even then it's really fucking hard. And there mm-hmm. are, there are times when like, you're going to lose your shit. I mean, <laughs> It's exhausting no matter what. I mean, every day I feel like I have a pretty good situation. I'm very fortunate that, you know, I have a husband who participates and I mean, just, I have a, I have a good situation. And yet every night after putting the kids to bed, I feel like I just like got run over by a truck and I have to like regroup my entire self every night. And there are times when I lose my temper and I'm not as patient as I should be. And there are complex emotions that even go with that, where you feel a lot of guilt and like resentment towards yourself, like Amelia mm-hmm. does. And, and that's not even, even close to what happens in this film. And mm-hmm. so it's really relatable. And it's, it's so my relationship with Amelia now is really different from how it used to be a few years ago. That makes and, perfect sense. Yeah. And so I, I view the whole thing in, in just a different way. And it kind of makes me feel like, you know, I think I think that men are capable of writing very believable, authentic relationships about parenting and even some even mothers and children. And, you know, men can be just as inventive, you know, but um, I feel like this particular film, I think, w- just could not have been the same had it been written by a man. I feel like there's something very specific about this like mother-child relationship, yeah. um, especially a mother who's on her own and has no support or resources at her disposal. And just the like what you can see happening internally inside of her. Um, I just I feel like it's it's a very special piece of writing and directing. Yeah, she's and got acting. no support system. <laughs> and acting, well, her acting yeah. is phenomenal. That the it's incredible turn, like when she takes Samuel and she's sitting in the tub and she just puts him in the tub with her. Like that mm-hmm. scene is like the turning point where she starts losing it, right? And you're just like, dude, the lizard brain glazed over eyes in that so scene, bad. and then that like that that newsreel footage that they show and they zoom in and her face is there. Like, yeah, that shit is disturbing. And Samuel is <laughs> just like. Along for the ride. He doesn't know what's going on. It's like mom's in the tub with her clothes on. Okay, I'll get in too. And he just wants to be there for mom, but he doesn't understand at all what's going on. See, seeing the performance by the little boy, I think his name is Noah Wiseman, yeah. who plays Samuel. He's so 
I mean, I, I think there are a lot of people who would disagree with this, but I find him so lovable and my Me heart too. breaks. My heart breaks oh, watching yeah. what happens in, in this relationship and how innocent he remains and how loyal to her he remains when by all accounts he should not. But th- that's his mom. And this is like his only tether to like, I mean, when you're six, like who do you have in your life? Besides, well, yeah. like, but seriously, yeah, how, is, how yeah. annoying his is he it's the beginning of the movie yeah, he like when he's screaming but like like he wants to protect his mom <laughs> and like all the things he made in the beginning of the movie was it actually made sense of why he did that so yeah. like for me you know he wasn't that annoying you know the mom was actually on the verge of a breakdown and, and, and andy or randy like you were saying is like at the end of the movie you know feeding the grief or whatever it was these worms or whatever it was it just disappeared you know she accepted mm-hmm. her grief she accepted her you know she this spent is... time in the basement with her husband's things correct mm-hmm. that she had previously yeah. ignored and locked up i right. think that's fucking lock tight writing first of yes. all yeah, yeah absolutely it's good shit and like like yeah and her performance is great but yeah sam's performance is amazing and yeah i do i mean he's definitely annoying i i i almost am protective of saying that i was like when i first saw this movie, I was like no he's not he's he's a troubled child and he is it's like okay. he has every he has every reason to be annoying every kid has every reason to be annoying really because they're <laughs> yeah. children yeah but well, also like so he's powerless. extra annoying and like the way that he's depicted is intentionally like done that way and it would be like disingenuous to say he's not annoying because that's part of the journey totally was but the the way he was shot like towards the end of the movie was very loving towards his mom and very very like 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 i just want to protect you mom even when he had to hurt her yeah stab her in the leg like he didn't want to do that but he just felt like she was possessed in in a sense you know in his eyes like yeah what jennifer did with this movie was like you know give this little shit a character arc <laughs> it was fantastic i mean it was like you saw him and he's just like i just want to protect you mom and it was like oh your heart breaks even if you yeah. don't have kids yeah and i think like a child in his position or just children in general like they don't always have a voice so like their way of they act out sometimes and that's their way of sure. ex- showing their emotions it, it, emotions are complex when you're young you don't always know how to how to show them so exactly. acting out is sometimes that way and it's up to an adult to understand like oh he's acting this way because of so and so or this you know yes but yeah, exactly. have that at home. nobody's nobody's monitoring him because mom is losing it yeah i used I mean, to work six. at a su- so good yeah he's oh, no, six, that's exactly it. he like i used to work at a summer camp so i don't have kids so this is the closest an analog i have closest relationship i've had with kids was working at a summer camp and like you know a, a kid shrieking is a kid not knowing what to do (laughs) like a kid who doesn't know how to process things the way an adult can and by the way most adults can't so i mean they just find different ways to do it that are more socially acceptable so that they can fucking get a job and pay for rent Mm -hmm. like he doesn't have those things and he also doesn't have the, the the vocabulary to to do any of those things but this kid in particular steps up and honestly like this story is very uplifting by the end because you know there's families in the like again the the we have to talk about kevin i don't know it sounds like jacqueline you've seen that i I haven't seen it and i read the book started watching it never finished it okay yeah it's it's a heavy goddamn movie but um 
Yeah, it's like that's a story where it doesn't work out so well, where it's like, you oh, know, no. Oh, no. despite doing everything that you can as a mother and, you know, not necessarily having that grief component, even you can have a child who whose love does not supersede, like does not inspire bravery in, in his in his mind. It instead inspires like hatred or whatever, or like nothing can hold back those things that he never learned to deal with. And I don't know, like, I, I just see those movies, these movies as kind of like, like yin yang a little bit. Definitely. Uh, it's worth bringing them up. I, I don't know how you said, um, like how Samuel has to save the day. Like I love in the end where um, his mother tries to feed him the sleeping pill. He uses his little mm-hmm. magic trick, his sleight of hand to pretend like yeah. he ate it. Right. And like, that was fucking smart. That's a kid finding his power, you know? Because Yeah, I, exactly. There you go. Like he needed to stay up to protect mom. Because if he went mm-hmm. to sleep, who knows what would have happened? Right. Mom is not a reliable person, a reliable narrator of events at this point. No, she not. has already like <laughs> scared the shit out of him. So and, and these old, are people that haven't slept in like a week or something. Like she yeah. had, she had in, and kept him up for a week while tranquilized. That's it's where he's good. the most annoying in bed. The way he keeps his mother up at night. He's like <laughs> yeah. touching her constantly. And yeah. oh god. I That's have to say the very I've... beginning where they separate, she separates from, from him. And the title card comes on like that's fucking poignant that 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 hits. Well, I I, I thought a really good scene was is it almost seemed like she got a good night's sleep. And then it's almost like euphoric. The shot of it. Uh, Yeah. And she's like, I just got up. And then all of a sudden it turns into a nightmare again, which I I, yeah. Jennifer Kent did really good with this movie as far as the shots. Let oh me tell God. you something. There's something ahead, about, yeah. sorry, there's something about chronic sleep deprivation that is just, I mean, you are truly not in your right mind. Like you don't need a Babadook. You don't need uh, any kind of demons haunting you. You don't need anything. Just being sleep deprived. I mean, that will turn you into something else. Is she a mom? And, I'm curious. Yes. Is she a I mom? She is. I Jennifer Kent? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, and then the power of one good night's sleep is not to be believed. I mean, it is transformative. <laughs> and I mean, you it's it's a little unsettling to realize like how little control you actually have over your own self. Like you think that you control all of your actions and moods and stuff. Uh, but then something that is like outside of your power, like an inability to sleep, is mm-hmm. just like it really changes who you are. And or the need I, to I sleep can't, in general. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, I, I I can't tell you how many times I have said that line that Amelia says and in exactly that same tone of voice, like, please, I need to sleep. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, somebody poking at me or mom, can I, please, I need to sleep. You know, and it's, it's, like, it's cra- sorry, go ahead. No, that's, that was done. It's just, it's so interesting to me. And like, this is a bit of a tangent, but like, I've seen documentaries and stuff like, like we, we reviewed um, the nightmare on the podcast years ago now. And that's a documentary about sleep, uh, sleep paralysis and stuff. And I've seen other things about sleep and people still don't know. Scientists don't really understand why we need to sleep and like what the, what the chemical, like they understand like the, the emotions of it and how it's supposed to function. But the why of it is like, you know, people, can go without some people can train themselves to go without sleep for a certain amount of time without a lot of negative effects. Some people are just naturally capable of going, you know, maybe a day or two, but everybody crashes and there's no dodging it. So if you are unable to 
do that. Like it, there's like it's accessing some weird lizard DNA brain that you don't necessarily have control over. I've like uh, when <laughs> we had to, I think I've told this story on the podcast. We got snowed in in a car ride this winter, Becky and I, and I basically didn't sleep all night long. Had like I was basically on the road for over 24 hours <laughs> and having a Prius with very little sleep in a Prius, yeah, yeah and no driving in like the most terrifying conditions I've ever driven in. And by the time I was like about to pull into the house, I was like, I could like my vision was starting to blur around the edges. I was not if I if I had been out there another hour, I don't know that I could have continued driving. Mm-hmm. It's fucking crazy what the body yeah. does. So yeah, that plus grief compartmentalized poorly plus a child who is dealing with his own version of grief while screaming consistently at you or in general or being victimized or embarrassing you or whatever those things that's a toxic stew that has gotten the best of a lot of parents Mm -hmm. she literally couldn't even get a piece like a moment's piece to masturbate like in this movie dude yeah that one scene like literally they it's just funny that it wasn't even it was in good taste i I feel like that scene was just like realistically yes like she might want to pleasure herself and she couldn't even do that like without samuel interrupting her nary a moment to herself yeah (laughs) people need to go to dreamland one way or the other can relate (laughs) (laughs) have you guys ever had a moment where you were sleeping and you froze up in bed where it's you can move well, I've never, yeah, that's I've never had it. I've never had that. I, I actually had it two nights ago where no it's way. just like, oh, shit. Yeah, I, I froze up where I couldn't move. And I looked around and I'm like, I'm awake, but I can't move my muscles. Yeah, that's sleep paralysis. It was, yeah, it was weird. That I've had the really scary sensation where I woke up in a falling, like, panic, you know, where I thought mm-hmm. I was falling. I've had yeah. that before. I mean, I have night terrors, and that's its own brand of scary. Like, oh, Jesus. Really? Yeah. 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 I mean, it's not it's not very frequent. When I was a kid, I had it a lot more. And when I get when I am sleep deprived is when it's most likely to happen. Mm. And wow. I don't even know about it until like Becky, Becky complains the next day. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't I didn't know that adults ever had that problem. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's probably wow. like a once a year thing for me, at least in terms of it being like full blown. Sometimes I'll, I'm sure that I like stir but it's like i don't know all kinds of things happen when you sleep i just saw there's a documentary that either can't is coming out or came out about a guy who's on trial for supposedly i don't know the specifics supposedly killing his wife in a in a sleepwalk oh wow that's so, his defense is that he was sleepwalking come on no it was a, it, yeah it was like a couple nights ago my like my whole body froze up where i couldn't move what i like i i, I tried to but my body just froze up it was weird mm-hmm. Well, Don't you go guys need to sleep paralysis. It'll get in your head. No, you guys, you guys need to talk to my husband, Joey. He's a sleep doc. I think you need. How oh, is that? A special <laughs> I think you need to sleep. Where's Joey? Yeah. Joey, he's, come on. he's downstairs. Well, you're go get him. Doctor sleep. Yeah, go get him. Are you telling us? <laughs> he, he actually is. Yeah. Okay. He, he's bored. What's his feelings to... towards steam? Yeah. Steam? Did he suck it in? Yeah. Oh. Like a vapor. Sorry. It's good no, for your nasal passage. Oh, doctor. Okay. Just drink some green tea. You'll be fine. This is a horror podcast, and I just want to ask, like, how how scary do you find this movie? Like, how how effective are some of the scares? Because I think they're pretty good. I could see pe- why people fucking awesome. Like, they're not like in your face, but I think they do a really good job of making things creepy. The atmosphere and the design they're, of the Babadook. He takes different forms. Yeah, 
in Amelia's mind. You know, there's somewhere he looks like a real person almost when you see him behind the old lady. Just, mm-hmm. but you know, he's pale. And then there's times where he looks animated a little bit. I don't, I don't know if that's a budget thing, but he's on the ceiling and it just, it, it, it all works really well for me. I agree. I find it unsettling. Um, yeah, I don't know that it's like, I'm not having like visceral terror, no. but uh, as you said, it's creepy and mm-hmm. it's enough to kind of feel uneasy as you're watching. But for me, the real discomfort is watching the, the like descent of Amelia yeah. It's like, I, I don't know that I would say like terrifying, like, you know, kind of watching from behind my fingers. Mm-hmm. Not It's not that kind of scary. It's more like, uh, as, as we were talking about before, it's like I can sort of relate to her and understand her more than I would care to admit. Mm. And it's, <laughs> it's very upsetting, I think, to kind of be on the side of this character who's doing some terrible things, you know, unlike and we need to talk about Kevin or some of these other things, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, it's, it's, I, f- I find it more kind of like emotionally upsetting and, and psychologically unsettling is I guess we're at what I would call it. Yeah. I think like every scare in this movie is bought by that very thing. Like you, the thing is mechanically speaking, none of these scares in this movie are like, you know, like, like, they're not things we haven't seen before really like if maybe a few things are pretty unique to this movie the design of the thing is certainly unique but overall this is like you know there's not there's a few jump scares there's some extremely unsettling like uh like like the old footage the the like silent film scene which is like one of the most incredible fucking facsimiles of silent film i've ever seen um and like just those sort of things that's that sort of existential dread of the story really coalesces really perfectly with the scares and and makes heightens them to a level that they would normally not get to i don't think in a lesser script i think those scares work worse does that make sense yeah absolutely and like the james wan verse or something like that i could see it being a little too hammy Right. Like like any of these scares in Insidious Part 12 or whatever could be just as effective if, the they, you know, the writing was worth a shit and the performances took you there. And it was like, especially if it's like has something to say about like the human condition, the failure of your parental instincts. Yeah. Like that's fucking that, that's existential dread you're talking about. That's mm-hmm. not something that's mm-hmm. even that, like you know, fuck Cthulhu. That shit's terrifying. <laughs> what hides behind your conscious mind can destroy you yeah and destroy and like you the things exactly. you care about that kind of love focus too yeah yeah i kind of love that the neighbor like, I, I guess she has parkinson's yeah. she's almost the harbinger of this movie a little bit kind of right? yeah yeah like in her she's like a positive harbinger where she's like you absolutely know, absolutely she can kind of you're gonna care blood ain't you yeah <laughs> you're gonna die <laughs> Dearie, you're going to Camp Blood, ain't you? <laughs> I baked some cookies for you on your way to Camp Blood. She's so sweet. And like her, like, mm-hmm. what's so terrifying is that when she comes around and knocks on the door, when Amelia's in that full swing moment. Oh, and she's you hope Amelia doesn't hurt her, 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 right? Yeah, you're hoping not. She knocks on the door and you're like, maybe something good will happen or maybe this will stop it from happening. And it right. kind of does. It gives you a little hope. She's like, you know, I love you guys. You know, mm-hmm. any help you need. You know, she's saying like the sweetest things in the world and the mom like registers that and you you think and is apologizes to Sam and says, I'm sorry, I just haven't been sleeping. And she's clearly not great, but she's getting better. And then she says, I want you to meet your dad. 
And it's like, oh, like, oh fuck. Fuck. red alert. <laughs> <laughs> she took that the wrong way. She's, she thinks she's too far down the sinkhole at that point, And she's not completely wrong. Yeah. She, they dig their way out, I guess. I, I kind of love the neighbor, though. I mean, I yeah, love that character. Mm-hmm. She's just so little screen time, but like it's effective. It's the perfect foil for these characters where it's like this is the only person in the world that you know can that cares enough to get through absolutely with absolutely. amelia to reach her and that's she doesn't judge her the most important thing in the world i loved what they gave her you know you know whether she had parkinson's or whatever it was it was just it was like parkinson's. this was it it was just like oh my god you fell for her yeah because Samuel oh she's at the end too like, and you're like yes yeah. she survived yeah well and so she, it, she never judges amelia yeah she, exactly she, right. she comes to her mm-hmm. with love and understanding and yes total non-judgment i mean i you gotta imagine she can hear some of the screaming and craziness that's going on and knock on the door like i just wanted to make sure everything was okay not like what the hell are you doing in there you Call crazy the yeah <laughs> I, I mean she comes in- to her with compassion yeah, I think she's like, I think the implication that's being made here is that, at least in my mind, it's like, this is a person who maybe doesn't, definitely hasn't experienced exactly one-to-one what Amelia has, but she's seen some shit and she can identify somebody in crisis, you know, mm-hmm. like just innately. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, you know, like, why else would she come over and knock on the door? Like, I don't have any neighbors that if I called them at 1 a.m., would you know like if my like if my kid woke them up or something is going to come over an hour later and be like are you guys okay you know it's okay like you know like that's never going to happen and i love my neighbors we're great but it would seem that she knew oscar too she she's they must have lived there before oscar passed away as well because she mentioned him yeah and then amelia tells her like don't say that don't talk about it she doesn't want to talk about oscar Mm mm-hmm I'm looking at the trivia section of IMDb as I want to do. This is interesting. Um, in Hebrew, Babadook means, quote, he is coming for sure. Oh, wow. That's, that's so creepy. That's so fucked up. That is so creepy. That makes me want to name my dog that or something. Like. <laughs> now, speaking of well, yeah. dogs, is that Jawala's name, that, Babadook? That final scene, like that starts the ending, it pans up from the dirt, right? Is that the dog buried? I always thought so. I was looking for a grave or a marker or something because I remembered that. It looks like something like a creature or something weird. And then like I couldn't make it out. And then I realized yesterday, I think it was the dog. Yeah. Above, And then the black flowers like growing out of where that That, dog was or whatever. This really affected me of her killing the dog the way it was. Mm -hmm. You know, again, it was like by the pop-up book that Andy has or Randy has mm-hmm. of twisting that. I was just like, oh fuck. That Dude. was like Ugh. that was like when Henry she... level murder. It yeah, was it shows actually. her that earlier in the film. Like it shows yeah. her my dog perked that. up when the dog started crying and was like, oh, staring oh, at the screen. Oh, no. And I was like, we're 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 okay, tormenting buddy. our dog watching <laughs> oh, this movie. God. What's your dog's uh, name, Randy? Frankie. That's she cute. was Poor Frankie. Uh, oh, she was she she like she'll never show it, and because I'm projecting it, but she'll never show it. But it it really it really affected her, and you know, okay, we had to snuggle and let's shit, get her on so. for the review. What'd she think about? She was concerned that you might be spiraling. Right? She's yeah, yeah. She can no longer she might count have been on right. you. <laughs> she might have Randy been right. was gonna <laughs> kill the dog. Well, something kind of just a 
um, bring up another point. Something that I was thinking about was that, you know, obviously this film uses the Babadook as a symbol of Amelia's grief um, that has been unresolved all these years and needs to be faced down. But I think the film could have worked just as well with any number of other traumas that most of us are going through the world with. I mean, whether we're parents or not, but in the context of this movie, I mean, I feel like it could have been anything, whether it's like um, depression or anxiety or some kind of mental illness or substance abuse or a parent who had a substance abuse problem or an abusive parent or something. Any number of these things, I think, could have been represented the same way as something that, if not dealt with, kind of invades your your being, invades your soul and turns mm-hmm. you into a monster um, if it's something that you never face down you know I feel it's like it's just it's just a represent a representation of whatever your demons are I mean we all have a Babadook whatever it is right that's right and like the only reason that it's called the Babadook for Amelia is because her son a child used that to identify his own problems and she adopted it it's it's mm-hmm. honestly brilliant the way they did that because yeah, he was already so preparing good. for a monster before mm-hmm. the book appeared He's already talking about a monster and mm-hmm. and preparing these weapons to 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 face Actually, it down whenever it appears, and th- then he finally has a way to give it a name. Well, did I, he I, create it though? Actually, I'm thinking now. Did he create like, the book? No, no. Did he create the Babadook? Because the Babadook was named in the book, and yeah. it's heavily implied that Amelia drew the book and created the book well, unconsciously somehow. Yeah, this movie actually became mm-hmm. a very big. Um, metaphor for the lbgtq community and it was like how how did that happen i mean you want to know i can tell you i do i I actually do want to know go Uh, ahead randy no you go ahead jack you got this well i don't i don't have like a definitive answer but from what i could tell because i wanted to know that as well i was like how yeah i'd obviously heard all the buzz about how he's the new like gay icon and so when i was watching the film this week i was looking for like okay, how is, <laughs> how is this a queer character? And so I was researching and it sounds like, you, Randy, feel free to correct me if you um, know something different, but it sounds like it started as basically kind of like a humorous you know, joke or something on Tumblr somewhere in the corners of the internet that um, yes. people just sort of responded to and it kind of snowballed into like a meme that, that became more kind of part of the public consciousness. And it's just, it's like a joke that sort of became real. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I even saw somebody on the Slack posted in the physical media section, they got an edition of the Babadook with like rainbow flag behind it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, there's it a has, gay pride edition. It has reached the level that there is a, like a physical, like, what is it called? Like, like a gay edition? I, I don't know what a, it's called, but it's, it's a gay oh, pride okay. edition okay. for yeah, all intents and purposes. Okay. Yeah, Rob has I, a copy. I mean, <laughs> At like oh, at like um, pride rallies and stuff, there there are people dressed up as the Babadook mm-hmm. and carrying the rainbow flags and stuff. So it do, I don't I don't think it's like a serious thing. I think that one of the jokes about it, as this kind of spread throughout the internet, was like, uh, you know, this is just a gay man living in a small Australian town trying to live his life, and these people won't let him live his life. And uh, and another guy said something like. Um, I mean, he created a pop-up book of himself just for the drama of it. How is this not gay? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, if know. you want to know the actual like ground I, level I, I, event I do because, that, 
like to okay. me, this is this is about grief. That's all. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. how I picked it's, up the, on this. And you so can uh, you can certainly lay a an LGBTQ like um like sheen or or, or lens to this movie if you want. Sure. Um, sure. Like, it, it's a harder dot to connect, especially if, as for me as somebody who's not in that community. Like, right. I just don't like you know. I think anybody like like Jacqueline was saying, anybody can connect a specific trial or hardship to to the Babadook. It does come out of a closet. <laughs> that's true that is true actually that's probably one of the stronger points um, but the reason that he was like identified that way in the first place the reason it became a thing is because netflix mistakenly put him in the lgbtq pride category oh, of their website is that what happened because i heard that happened. that happened but the, the article i read said that that came afterwards and so i was like what but that makes a lot more sense if it started that way if that was the first event that would be news to me, but like, I know that they, that did makes that, a lot more sense. I remember it happening. I remember Cause it was like, like maybe a week after I saw it, that this happened. And it was like, you know, all of a sudden, like all these memes of the Babadook, like twerking and shit. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, it became a meme. It became a big joke. Got it. And then it became something that they, you know, yeah, we can sell this as a LGBTQ pride edition. People love it. And because, you know, culture is largely defined right now, at least like slang and all that shit and memes and to some extent are defined by the LGBTQ community. It took off, you know, in a bigger sense and became like a puffy news story for today's show or whoever else. Now I'm fine with that. But I mean, the thing was, is it, it was like, didn't lean towards that. It was grief. It was like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm battling my demon of grief. That's all. Yeah. And that's the thing me. is like, that's why I mean, I was like, you could, to me, I think, you're you're if you're not seeing it naturally that's because what you're i think you've got the main point yeah. and i think that if you want to apply more you, you can add bells and whistles sure. to anything sure so. absolutely well and jennifer kent herself has acknowledged that she's heard about this kind of hullabaloo mm-hmm. about it and uh, she has said like that's not what i intend but if that's what you see in it great fine right that's cool. interpretation absolutely. Yeah, it puts absolutely. It hands and it gets the movie exposure you know you know what if it's effective either way that i mean that just speaks yeah. more more for her strength as a director sure. and writer because it's adaptable to other people's situations yep can you guys believe this is her first film her first feature length no film? not really oh my god have you guys I mean, you seen can kind of tell it's others? got a small budget but man she does really effective work with what she has Hold on. Uh, let me go to let me go to Randy. Uh, what did you feel about the cinematography of this? I mean, like the 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 grays and stuff like that. I mean, this is a like I watched some of the featurettes. I have a DVD of this. So. What physical? Wow. What? Okay, Grandpa. It's physical? Yeah, I know. It's physical. <laughs> it's out of date. It's worth like fifty cents probably, and I have it's it. out of print, bro. <laughs> I don't know if it is or not, but regardless. Uh, so anyway, yeah, like like I watch featurettes about it or whatever, but already like on first viewing, this movie is like art directed like fucking impeccably. <laughs> this is the most like and the way they described it on the featurette was like, you know, we're trying to go for to make it as close to black and white as we can without actually going black and white, but without desaturating either. Like they don't heavily desaturate the way they do in like like Clerks 2. They desaturate the shit out of that movie and you can kind of tell just on first blush. But in this movie, it's just the paint choices the wardrobe choices the lighting all those things and it works perfectly because they're going for a storybook house set set or whatever and like a storybook situation and 
to it mimic the book. The book. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and it does that perfectly. Nothing in that house is too new or too old. It's all just kind of like perfectly... I don't know. It looks like you're in fucking Stuart Little's house, except it's black that. and white. Yeah, the <laughs> color scheme was like perfect. When the to social me. services people come by, you kind of notice that about the house. It's got that rustic sort of look to it. And the paint's not new, but it's not all chipped either. It's like it's right. definitely lived in. Yeah, it's yeah, like so the it's blue, like- the grays, the whites, the black. I mean, it, it, there's nothing colorful when they come in nah. there until you like look in the background where it's like lighter. Mm-hmm. You know, the, yeah. the, 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 the color scheme of the house is really depressing, I guess. It is a little bit. It kind yeah. of, I don't it, want to watch this movie mirrors. in black and white. Uh, so yeah. do I. Maybe there's a black so and white version, like a noir version. <laughs> Maybe they did. So, that like, I love what she does with. too. Like the ending, like the darkness of the basement and like the Baba Duke's final form that we got to see in the book, but you don't quite see all of it in on the film i don't know if that was a budget thing or they just wanted to keep most of it you know in the darkness but you see it starting to rise and mm-hmm. its arms or whatever those are like start to come out and it's like and then you see her look on her expression on her face of like what it must look like to her and she's like you know she bends back but then she she comes back and she fights it back and it goes back into the darkness so you never actually see what it looks like but she does such a good job i think kent with that scene Oh, yeah. Well, I thought it looked like a shadow. I, I didn't think it was like a budget thing. I thought it was a deliberate choice to make it look yeah, like it was just part of the shadows, like an extension yeah, of the coming shadow out. coming. I think it was her. an intentional budget yeah. thing. <laughs> like, I think well, it was both. You I know? think it works for the film regardless. Yeah. And I think it's like a Jaws thing. Like you, you don't see Jaws. So, like, But I think it was planned that way because they never show the Babadook as a physical incarnation the same way twice. Yeah, and they right. intentionally obfuscate it when you do see parts of it. You see fingers, you see mm-hmm. wings, maybe you see yeah. the hat. And then at one point, you actually do see like a whitened face of a person that's you made that up in a certain way for like a flash. Yeah, you see it behind the whole You never get a clear shot of this thing. And that's what makes it terrifying is because yeah. this is something that lurks in the dark. It's something that's not real and it does not beholden to the rules of reality. <laughs> And even the form it takes, I love that. Like when it when it gets, in, it she ingests it, you know. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. when she throws it up later, it's just it like out. a yeah, it's just like a black ooze. It the just comes vial. out. Of yeah. yeah. This, it, the cinematography in this thing is so good. To answer your question, Johnny, it's so good all the way through the editing, the sound design, the yeah. fucking bug sound effect. God damn, was that, that a smart scene when they're coming out of the, the wall? <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Yeah, and like it works perfectly because this like that's that sound means the Babadook's approaching, mm-hmm. you know, like and it, I don't know. I, I think that doing that is such a smart thing, like all the way through. That is itself a motif is bugs. Like these are things that at the beginning of the movie are like pests are trying to get rid of it. She's trying to get rid of it. They're everywhere. Oh, my God. And, this, and oh, the sound means something horrible is happening. And then at the end, she's collecting them to feed it to the thing. Yeah, like this is uh, like yet again coming to terms with the dark and horrible things that are necessary for life to continue forward. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. <laughs> and Randy, I don't want to embarrass you, but you are a very talented graphic designer, and I wanted to ask oh. your opinion oh, about shit. the art design specifically of the book. The book is incredible. I mean, I like I bought this thing. Is this is not a cheap collector's item, by the way? Like even new, it was I think like 150 bucks or something like wow. that. Damn. And I was 
I was not affluent at that time by any means. So it was, you know, I made it happen because I loved it. Yeah. Because I love this movie so much, but also because it's like legitimately one of the coolest and best drawn, best created uh, um, uh, props that you can like, that you can hope for in a movie that they have like managed to make this into this consumer item or whatever. It's great. The, I have it in front of me. Who is this guy? The guy who put it together, his name is Alex Juhaz. I'm probably saying that wrong. And I saw a featurette with him talking about like all the iterations they went through or whatever. And how like, you know, just like in, you know, the live action shots, you never see it the same way. You rarely see it like the same design twice. Yet it's so iconic. You know what I mean? Like, you know, Michael Myers mask. You can tell when it's a shitty Michael Myers mask. You can't tell when it's a shitty Babadook, like, or you can't tell if it's because it doesn't really matter. It, it, the fact that it morphs into whatever it is in the moment is scary enough. Yeah, because mm-hmm. it's her psyche, so it's just yeah. taking and whatever the book reflects that. that. Like the illustrations reflect that, and like the way that they even like finished this book up and made it a complete story within the context of this physical item is amazing too. So yeah, I love it. I think it's great. I think like they obviously made it intentionally, like instantly identifiable and iconic. Like, look at that thing. Nobody's mistakes that shape for anything but the yeah. Babadook. It looks super period. well made, too. Like, the binding, it looks super solid. Yeah, these are handmade. <laughs> it's yeah, Babadook 2, Electric Boogaloo. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, speaking I'm of. Ready. Take your <laughs> money. Really? Because here's, I'm sorry to break your heart, because one of the trivia that I read, the first one on here, is that Jennifer Kent holds the rights to the film and was asked if there would be a sequel, and she said, quote, I will never allow any sequels to be made because it's not that kind of film. I don't care Thank how God. much I'm offered. It's just Thank not you. going to happen. Thank you. Thank you, girl. Jennifer Kent. Jennifer Kent is a smart a fucking one. badass. Thank God. God. Okay. Jennifer Kent, I did, has anybody here seen Nightingale? Or, I think that's her yeah. second film. You yeah, have. have. You guys in a cover, right? Randy said it. No. Are, you've seen that, right? I haven't watched I have. it. I think it's on Hulu. I want to watch it. I know it's tough to watch i know there's some scenes. it's incredible it's like th- it is not like a one-to-one in terms of like um uh, of my love for it like it, that movie is is way way more direct in its horrors i would say than this one is it looked well you know, made though just like yeah. this one it has allegory it has a deeper subtext going on or whatever which i always look for i always enjoy when it's done well and jennifer kent does it well but you know that that movie is it's uncompromising in what it wants to show is horrifying. What is the premise of this movie? Well, um, I'm trying to remember. It's been a while. I saw it when it first came out, but there's a period piece. It's a period piece. A woman and her husband are like, they're sent off to an Island off of New Zealand. That's like, like a penitentiary or like, not a penitentiary, but like a, it's like an exile type of thing situation going on and they're invaded. Maybe I can't, I'm, I'm probably fucking this up. Long story short, some motherfuckers from wherever, I think colonial England or something come around and basically torture them oh, <laughs> and like murders her husband. Uh, and the lead is it's kind of a period piece. I spit on your grave in many ways. Whoa. Wow. Okay. That, that's a good okay. description right there. All right. All right. Good to know. Yeah. Well, let's get back to the Babadook. Um, is there anything else, any major points that you guys want to make before we settle on our ratings? Acting was dope. Like all the acting across the board. 
Mm-hmm. I don't. I'm. Tr- I can't think of negatives for this movie. I, either. I'm pathologically unable, unable rather to do that. I can't mm-hmm. do it. I think even the even the supporting characters. Like, you know, we were talking about the elderly neighbor. I think that the the performance by the sister was really yeah. good, and mm-hmm. she's not just a cut and dried like she's not a villain. I mean, yeah. I think you can you can put yourself in her place as well and see where she's coming from. And I think just all the characters are well drawn. I, will, I yeah. guess one last thing is that this movie is in the, the class of movies, but it's not as frequently cited as what some people call elevated horror. And um, <laughs> I just want to point out uh, to all your listeners and the world that don't do that. Don't do that. No, it's not. a That's not a thing. You made it cool. up because <laughs> you don't like horror movies enough to be good on their own merits. See, just trust know, me it's good. i know that term carries that period you feel like there are movies that are i get it that they are a little bit elevated in a sense of like they're not b movie they don't rely on gore or scares there's more to them as far as a plot but it's yes the they term. all are it's all hard there's more thinky horror yeah exactly that's yeah. Fine. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. but exactly. like that's not elevated i don't i don't like the separation that puts yeah. that literally like the, puts this movie like the rest higher, of the horror yeah. is yeah is, and I just it's, don't see it that way. Like yeah. Tammy and the T-Rex, I haven't seen it, but if it's got <laughs> great things going for it. Yeah, you can have a couple shots to Malort and enjoy it. Like, like I love Psycho Gorman. That oh, movie's Psycho fucking Gorman's insane. Fuck yeah. And it's horror. And it's not like anything like this movie in terms of nah. it. You don't like horror is adaptable. And the, the idea exactly. that that's it what's so great be, about it. Right. And, with and the, if it's good, it's because of a conscious effort of the director to make it something other than horror is fucking insulting. Yeah. Right. But I think that term is for people who don't want to admit that they like horror movies. Exactly. Right. exactly. People like you, that. You bring up last. Psycho Gorman, and it was the annoying kid again. Yeah. Mm. It really. Type of yeah, with with slightly less reason to be, by the way. Um, <laughs> but. I also like that. So again, like I, that's a very clear parallel I draw between those two movies too, is because sure. they have the, the annoying sure. kid, yeah, and I think it does add to the movie, but maybe not as much as this one. She's not as I, endearing as uh, Samuel. Yeah, life. and it's not. She's not supposed to be. So no. Nah. <laughs> Cut above love Samuel. But those hunky hunky boys. Yeah. <laughs> Dude. <God. laughs> All right, let's let's get it. Let's get into our ratings. Um, John, this movie was your choice. Why don't you give us your rating first? I'm ready to write it down. All right, ready. This movie was awesome. Um, watch it. Acting was awesome. Uh, I'm not going to go too much into it because I know that Heidelberg and then uh, Randy want to go more into it. But I'm going to give this a 9.5 out of 10 screaming kids. <laughs> Whoa. 9.5 out of 10 screaming at kids. All right. Yes. Fair enough. Randy, would you like to give your rating next? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think the fact that I can't even really come up with what I would consider to be a legitimate complaint about this movie that isn't some, like the kids annoying, which we, as we've discussed, is a benefit to this movie and not a detriment. It's not a fit. It's not a benefit to my ears, but it's a detriment to this movie or it's a, it's, it's a benefit to this movie. Like there's no other complaints that like really resonate with me at all. And I think that my love for this movie has only grown over time. Every time I watch it, this is one of those movies that I, I feel it just the same. Every time it really doesn't have any diminishing returns yet. I'm going to do my best not to let it become 
have the diminishing returns that some of the things I, you know, I've watched since childhood have had because I've watched them three times a year for eternity. So I give this the space it deserves, I think. Anyway, I, I think this is a fucking fabulous movie. I have no complaints. It's directed perfectly. It's written beautifully. It's acted in, impeccably. Like it features something like, like art and design and set design and all those things is incredible. And then it like almost as like a, a cherry on top. It has that, that silent film scene, which I don't know, like how, I'm, I'm sure I've gone onto this on our podcast, but like watching silent film with like a spooky music over it is like my shit. That is my <laughs> fucking shit. I love it. And I do it as often as I can. If you ever want to have a good fucking time, wa- listen to any Muse album and watch um, Faust, the fucking silent film Faust. It will knock your dick in the dirt. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's the cherry on top for me. I love this movie. I think that it's incredible and it's an achievement. And I think that it will. I don't know. I think I think it's more deserving of praise than than, you know, a lot of movies that we already call classics. So it is a classic. 10 out of 10 shrieking children. Okay. Hydraberg. Man, I'm I'm really torn now. On my <laughs> review. Well, tell us your your ambivalence here. Yeah. All right. We'll, so, we'll help you work it out. Yeah. I think this movie's the premise of this movie is fantastic. Like I love the themes that it touches on. A lot of them touch me. Like I've dealt with guilt, uh, I mean grief and like it's a tough thing to fucking overcome and yeah, it changes you. And you can bottle it up and you can you could expel it in different directions. You could use it as an energy like it, it's it's all how you you make it. And I think the characters in this movie are really well done. You know, there's only a couple of them, but like the time spent between Samuel and his mom is like I, I was raised by a single mom and like it's fucking tough. And I was a problem child like I was Samuel. You know, I wasn't as hard as him, but I, I was a hard time for my mother. And I can only imagine what she went through. And to see that brought on film, just uh, it definitely resonated with me. Um, I think the design of the Babadook and the book is fucking excellent. Like, it's just so well done. I don't know what the budget was for this film, but they used every penny wisely. You could tell. It's all well, well done. It's just, I don't know. It just, like Andy, like he said, it just... I've watched this film several times and it, it, it still hits the same way the first time, you know, it doesn't, doesn't lose its touch. Um, there's some stellar acting. I think Anise uh, Davis portrayal of a grieving mother trying to cope with all that grief and her transformation into the Babadook later on is just like amazing. Like it's not over. It's not overdone. It's not hand fisted. It's just like, believable like she's losing it and like, you feel for her you feel for samuel so much also and i think uh noah wiseman his portrayal also as that character although some people don't like it like you're not supposed to in sometimes like he is annoying yes because look what he's dealing with and like that actor is how young was that kid i don't know if he was six yeah he's six the character six like he did a phenomenal job and he's to me, he's endearing. And by the end, like you see the transformation between him and his mother and their loving relationship. And like it fucking hits for me, man. Um, fantastic job. Fantastic acting. Fantastic directing. Everything. The score. Um, honestly, I don't have any cons for this film, really. Like 
I think Samuel can grate on your nerves a little bit, but that's the point, right? Like, so I can get why some people might ding it, but I don't know if I can. Like, I was going to give this a 9.5, but with that said, I think I'm going to give it a 10 screaming kids out of 10. Hey. Oh, <laughs> Jack, that's not a ding on my part. You know, I could see someone having that as a ding, but it's not mine. Right. Yeah. Jacqueline, how you feeling? Well, I, I mean, I think this movie is basically unimpeachable. It's just... Again, I, I'm so astounded that this was a debut feature film by this director and she wrote it. I mean, this is her like brainchild. And it's I, I agree with what Randy said that it's pretty much an instant classic. And I think it's very deserving of going in kind of the pantheon of all time great horror films. I'm I'm not sure how much to factor in my own personal like enjoyment of watching this film because the only negative thing that I can really say about it has to do with my own personal hangups and that is I I find it a really sad watch and I really hate being sad (laughs) when watching a horror film or any film I don't like it um it's hard for me to like get past that I mean, like days go by and I like I've I've been sad for like a few days after watching this film. And my my ability to relate with Amelia was highly uncomfortable. Let me just be clear. I don't have any like rage, murderous kind of feelings towards my children. I love my children very much, but I could relate to the struggle of being a mother who's having a hard time. I mean, and I think any mom out there, I don't care, like, I don't care who you are and what kind of like show you put on Instagram, like no matter how perfect you look on the outside, like there are days when you struggle, even if you say you don't. Um, and the, just the, all the complex emotions going on of trying to be a good mother, but dealing with your own shit and like feelings of resentment, feelings of guilt, feelings of failure. I mean, all these kinds of negative emotions that can take place even under the best of circumstances. I could, I could relate to her in that way. Um, And that, that was uncomfortable, like exceedingly uncomfortable for me to watch. So it's not a film with a super high, like it's not something I want to watch every year. It's something I want to watch maybe every 10 years. And but in saying that, I don't take away any of its greatness. I don't take away any of its artistic achievement. I think it's, as I said, unimpeachable. I think there's there's really nothing empirical about it that you could say is wrong or a misstep or ineffective. I think it just, it's one of those magical things that kind of just all comes together and works. So I don't know. How much do you guys think I should factor in my own personal like enjoyment? That's the struggle. That's your view. <laughs> I That's wish your I could view. give you an answer. I think if a movie left you feeling a certain way, even if that was a negative feeling, that's still impactful on how the movie is. Like the movie did that, and movies just, don't always do that. But you have to judge it on your on your own merit. I don't think you have to want to watch this movie over and over no. again every yeah. year in order for it True. to be a classic or be worthwhile. Like I don't. There's a lot. I don't want to watch fucking. I don't know. I don't want to watch the solo. <laughs> Would you yeah, well, it? no, that's. Oh my god! No, I'm trying to give. I'm trying to give a good example. <laughs> uh, no, Hereditary. Just, like, there's, 
I mean, you know, you don't have to watch a movie even more than once for it to leave the impact that it intended and impress you and do all that stuff. So I don't know that that's as big of a ding as it sounds. But as far as like making you sad and like whatever, that's really up to you as to how much your enjoyment factors in over the craft. I deal with that every week. I change my stance on that. So. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like in rating, I'm the you of the, of the podcast. Like I want everybody else to go first. And so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I like, I don't really kind of gel it until like the last moment, but, and even then sometimes it's, it's not really gelled. I, I'm going to go with my gut here and say nine out of 10 screaming kids. All right. So I feel like that's a bad score for this movie. But. No, it's well, well <laughs> look, it's if, a reasonable score. Just to give you a, a frame of reference, I had it at a nine originally. Okay. I moved it to a 9.5 before we started talking mm-hmm. because I felt like that might have been a little too low. And then just hearing everybody's, I don't know, just it is like I don't have anything to say bad about the film. How do I give it a nine based on that? Like, that's, that's where I was, too. I was like, OK, normally I'm like, OK, there's got to be something to improve on. But what the fuck is in it? my <laughs> mind? The only thing keeping me from giving it a 10 is like, well, I think The Exorcist or The Thing is a 10. But that's just because those are films that really resonated with me as a as a young kid. And they've had 40 years to. Yeah. And those are classics. And yes, they are 10. Maybe who knows until we review them. But, you know, this film definitely deserves to be praised. You know, I I know the roaches. That's why. (laughs) Yes, there it is. You hate roaches. Man, fuck roaches. You do. And those are like, fuck you guys. If it it makes an impact on you, Hyderberg, according to this trivia, William Friedkin, director of The Exorcist, said this film is, or he said of this film, I've never seen a more terrifying film than The Bob. Wow, that's fucking high praise. (laughs) Crazy high praise. Who shot a gun on set in order to scare his fucking actors. Yeah. Have you guys seen Bug by William Friedkin? I have. Mm-mm. I have. Is that with, with, uh, with uh, Ashley Judd and Michael yes. Shannon? Right? Yeah, fucked Michael up. Shannon and Ashley Judd. Yeah. It is uncomfortable. so fucked up. It is it's so uncomfortable. Is yeah. Michael Shannon in? That guy is fucking pro. This is like Randy. before Michael Shannon was even like known. I yeah. Feel like. yeah, I know. Like I, every, I feel like every week I'll find like three more movies that just have his stone <laughs> cut face. I didn't know about him until Boardwalk Empire, to be honest. Like as far Same. as an actor. Yeah. Yeah. This bug was He's the first pregnant. time I ever saw him and I was like, Jesus H. Randy, you got to watch that movie okay it's a patreon pick let's do it yeah yeah make me (laughs) (laughs) give me all your money and then i will watch it i will give me your money Put it over. Do something so, mediocre. Don't give it away for free. That's uh, what no. I always say. <laughs> no, no. The the U picks are well worth the price, in my opinion. They are absolutely. But no, that's a that's a very disturbing movie. Yeah, it is. Yeah. William Friedkin knows what the fuck out. he's doing. Mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't know that was him who did yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Me either. It's like 40 years after the exorcist. Here he yeah. is again with I remember watching that. That was like a blockbuster Bug. pick for me. I picked it up off the blockbuster. Mm-hmm. and it definitely i remember i i have to what i've only seen it once but i do remember now that you mentioned it like just mentioning it it brought back like oh man i remember that film being disturbing it yeah. is yeah we'll have to pick that sometime all right all right you guys want to hear a little trivia mm-hmm. absolutely oh did uh, i step on it sorry that's okay that's okay i like la- i like to have it i love that you brought trivia yeah no i just I, happen I like to have, have it up it- I like to have the trivia sprinkled throughout anyway. I don't like to just save it all for the end. If something like relevant comes up in the course of the discussion, I like to throw it in there and be like, oh, I know what that is or why that happened. Mm-hmm. Also, so, no insult to, to Bob or Justin, but you were my favorite trivia guy. Oh, 
on the show. Come on. You know oh, they're going to hear this, look, right? Look, he's turning red. <laughs> look at him. He's turning red. I know red. they're going to hear oh. it. Him and his actually, actually, let's not broadcast that too loud because they're going to start asking me to do it again. Oh, it's coming around <laughs> from what I understand. Or trivia. Rob's the, the three of them kind of rotate the, the roles sometimes. Exactly. Yeah, because <laughs> it's some sort of just put it on somebody else. <laughs> that's that that's what I did to Justin, so I think that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a lot to look up. Like I I, I don't know. N- n- Justin yeah, and know- I and Rob are all like, oh yeah, I'll do trivia. And then like five seconds before filming, it's like, I guess we should bring up the trivia now. <laughs> you know what, John? I think John, I think next week you're gonna do the reach round. I'm gonna just tell a little news. <laughs> Hydroberg puts a lot of work into those reach arounds. I'm you not do. doing it. It's all you, Hydroberg. Right. John, you don't have faith in your poetic abilities? I don't know. I think we should have a, a reach around off. Like each of us should write one and then have an impartial <laughs> party determine which Wait, one. Wait, hold on a second. That's fantastic. All right. No, oh yeah, like who wrote, who wrote it? Yeah. Last time somebody Randy. pitched that to me, we ended up not talking for a while. You don't want three <laughs> a three person reach around? Randy? Randy, do you want to be a judge? Like come back, come okay, back on sure, the show yeah. to judge our reach arounds. <laughs> sure, yeah. Like the, yeah. the singers with my... the mask on, the mask singer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that looks like that looks like Hydroberg's technique. Yep. <laughs> yep. It's at least two fingers. <laughs> oh no. You guys want some trivia or what? The text yes, the yes, we do. Yes, okay. we do. All right, Jacqueline, go ahead. Fuck you, Hydra Bird. All right. Fuck so anyway, you, oh my goodness, boys. So the uh, the budget Fuck of the me. film. I'm just gonna leave. <laughs> uh, toxic masculinity in this chat today. You guys, I want to know about this trivia. What's the trivia? All right, let's do you guys it. Are stepping all over the yes. woman and women in horror month? Sorry, no. All right. Of the film's total budget of $2.5 million, approximately 30000 of it was raised via Kickstarter, and most of that money from Kickstarter was used towards the creation of um, the book wow. and art department. So that's Great. kind of where it was focused. Sounds that, good to know. That, I mean, honestly, like that book is is like the way he described making it. He, he was not like a guy who had ever constructed books before even. And he handmade the whole goddamn thing. He handmade like five of them for for prop department. It's like amazing. Yeah. And like for somebody who's like, first of all, never made a book, much less a fucking pop up book that has to be mechanically sound and not fall the fuck apart. That's that's a daunting task. Did you hear in the featurette what kind of work he had typically done? Uh, I don't think it mentioned and I haven't looked it up, but I think mm. if I had to guess, I think he was brought on for his illustrator illustration skills okay. primarily. But I, I mean, I, I'm maybe speaking out of my ass there. Well, I mean, that sounds plausible. Uh, let's see. The uh, director, Jennifer Kent, mentions in one of the DVD featurettes that they had auditioned several children who were around eight or nine years old. But she said that there was a knowing quality that crept into their performances that precluded the innocence that they were seeking in that character. And so um, she hired the six years old, the six year old to play Samuel once, once she saw him in his audition. So that's nice. Uh, I also found somebody better. No. And I, I also read that she specifically was very protective of him on set and did not want him to witness any of the horrifying, horrifying things that were being filmed. And so she kind of, 
explained the story in as simple and age-appropriate terms as possible. And in scenes where he was supposed to look terrified, she would say things to him like, I'm going to throw your Legos in the river. You know, oh, my God. That like, that like a child Jennifer, would react. Jennifer, you bastard. <laughs> Bastardous. <laughs> when he has a seizure in the backseat of the car, like, it's fucking so believable. Dude, it really it is. is. So be- yeah. I mean, that would scare the shit out of me if yeah. I saw my kid. Have I don't a, know if I could like act that, that well. <laughs> if that was just a reaction, his Legos being thrown in a river, like, fucking kudos to him, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When she, and another protective measure was that in scenes where his character has to be there in the presence of something really scary. It would be an adult actor standing on his knees. Like Noah Weisman wasn't even on the, on the set when there are really scary things happening on set. So she said, I don't want to ruin a childhood just to make this movie. So she was really protective of him. And that makes me so, I mean, that's so strange. Jennifer can't do anything she wants for everything. (laughs) Yes, please. Uh, Interesting fact, Babadook is an anagram of a bad book. So if you rearrange the letters, it's the same thing. But it's a good book. It sure. Well, wait, it's a good book. A good book. It's a good read. It's it's number one on Goodreads. Just kidding. Uh, the, the design of the Babadook or the appearance of the Babadook was designed based on stills from the lost film London After Midnight starring Lon Chaney. So it's mm, from 1927. Nah. I do not know that film. It says it's a lost oh. film. So I don't know if it's yeah. been recovered. Yeah. Have you seen it? That. Yep. No, no, it doesn't exist. Like as far as we know yeah. like, it, it, as a film, but there's like posters and, and production photos and Lon Chaney. Like, I'm sure if you saw a picture of Lon Chaney, you'll be like, oh, that because it's. Here, actually, I'll send it to you. Okay. Those are I mean, actually, I've seen Lon Chaney and a bunch of other stuff, just like, not that. Yeah. Just not that that era of film is like a huge gap in in my. Uh, I'm like, curious. Really? Like, Lon Chaney. Yeah, you guys covered the cabinet of Dr. What, Caligari? Caligari. Or like, I, got, I got vibes of that from this, too. Who, also. Who is Lon Chaney? Who? Lon Chaney uh, was a of the huge, opera. huge star uh, of the silent film era. Lots of silent horror films. I'm blanking. Fuck that guy. John, uh, I think you got he was some in... in that in that cup there, or what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've always wondered that myself. Uh, let's see here. I think that is oh, yeah. all the interesting trivia that I have. Oh, something that I read elsewhere. Uh, as you can see, I just get my trivia off IMDb also. But something <gasps> I read. <laughs> I could totally something see I read... that, Andy. Something I, I read elsewhere was that Jennifer Kent had been so impressed when she saw Lars von Trier's film Dancer in the Dark starring Bjork. Uh, I know that I don't think any of you guys are big fans of Lars von Trier around here, but um, I'm, I'm a fan Maybe. of several of his movies. I haven't seen all of them. But she had seen Dancer in the Dark, which I that was my first Lars von Trier film. It stars Bjork. And she was so impressed by that film that she actually reached out to Lars von Trier and like introduced herself. She's like, I'm a budding filmmaker. I want to make films. And he I guess there was something in her letter that struck him. And so he invited her to come be like a PA or something on the you set. You must of... come to my estate. <laughs> no, he had her on have the, set. the finest cheeses. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Um, so he had her on the set of the film Dogville starring Nicole Kidman. And so I guess she was like a little bit of, I don't know if I'd go so far as to say protege, but you know, she was very influenced, I think by him and a great admirer of Lars von Trier. So interesting fact I read. 
And that's all I really got. Getting some Lars. Mm-hmm. 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 What have I seen? I feel like I've definitely seen some of his work. I just can't place it. Melancholia? No. Antichrist? Antichrist? I know you've seen Antichrist because you covered it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. That's the only reason I watched it. I get Antichrist confused with another one. No. Infomania? Oh, I think yeah. it's just I've Antichrist that. I've seen, actually, just looking at his list. <laughs> yeah, that's the house that Jack built. Melancholy. Melancholy. Like, house that Jack built. How many films has he made? Uh, a lot. A lot. Yes, yes. A lot. Yeah. Fun fact, Nymphomania, or Nymphomaniac was the film that I was going to see when I met my husband. That's how we met, was at a screening of Nymphomaniac. That's the one with like, the celebrities just like talking about sex or something like that? Nope. No, it's a Shia LaBeouf joint, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So the is there any dong in it? A lot. A lot of so. dong. Yes, there's a lot of dong. <laughs> it's about a woman who's an infomaniac and um, it, but it's not played in kind of like a titillating way. It's like a really sad, upsetting yeah. thing. And Shia LaBeouf plays her her love interest, her her primary love do interest. It. Just do it. <laughs> what? Sure. Shia LaBeouf reference. It's the Shia. Oh, okay. I'm not a Shia LaBeouf buff. Sorry. Oh, wow. I mean, few are. <laughs> All right. Well, transform Optimus Prime. Sandwich Wiki. Are you Sandwich Wiki? I feel like we're going off the rails here. Can I talk yeah. about what we're watching next week? <laughs> yes. It's okay. your pick. It is my pick. And so for next week, in keeping with women in horror month, <laughs> I'm choosing a film by Nia DaCosta, and the film is the 2021 version of Candyman. Hey. Candyman. 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 Don't you do Candyman. it. Don't do it. Candyman. No. He did it. No. He, he did it. You you're going to be you're going to be framed for murder. I wasn't um, looking in a mirror when I did it. Oh, shit. I see looking myself in the, in the zoom. Yeah. Oh, my looking God. In the dark mirror right now. Heidelberg, you done did it. I'm so glad I'm not that on that's next not episode. the direction you guys they know what happened to me. 2021. Oh, thank God. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, have you seen it yet, Jacqueline? You have, right? Yes. yes. Yeah. Okay. We've talked about it. Okay. I started. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I didn't actually. I brought it up and started like a whole bunch of shit. And then I didn't actually say anything about it. I just let you guys all kind of burn the house down. Uh, <laughs> by that, you mean you just let me fucking write a thesis? You did. You did. What I think of it. I can't. Would you like to come on next go, episode? Man. Andy. <laughs> I don't think I can do it, but I think you guys are in very capable hands. And I think you've heard more than enough from me on the subject. <laughs> uh, so that's what we'll be talking about next week. We'll be talking about Candyman. So get ready. There's a lot to talk about in that film. Boys, uh, if anybody wants to send us an email, sharing thoughts, asking questions, if you want to know our life stories, you can email us at a cut above horror review at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at cut above horror. You can follow us on Instagram at a cut above dot horror underscore review. And speaking of Instagram real quick, I just want to give a shout out to some women in horror that I'd like to call out um, at scary cat S K E R R Y K A T and Canadian psycho from Instagram. Also the gruesome twosome movie review some podcast they're at gruesome two underscore movies and all three of those are big supporters of our cast on instagram i just want yeah to they've been out. giving us some love it's awesome yeah, we appreciate have. you guys so much so thanks guys yeah john 
or Straight Chilling podcast. Straight Chilling podcast right here. A <clears throat> third and final friend of Straight Chilling podcast. Go follow them wherever you get that. And then uh, follow us on uh, what Facebook, Straight Facebook. Chilling, Facebook, whatever. All right. I'm done. Colin. Colin. Man, I I need whatever you got in that cup. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Andy, uh, also there you go. Plug straight chilling, but also plug your graphic design stuff, man. (laughs) Okay. Um. Yeah. Whatever. On a podcast called Straight Chilling that we've, you know, certainly talked about for a few minutes here. Uh. Yeah. We we do a very similar sort of thing weekly. Uh. Horror movies. If you're listening to this right now, you have probably heard this pitch from my other two co-hosts already. So. I'll cut it short where um, you can find us on straightchillingpodcast.com or just search for Straight Chilling Podcast in Google and you'll find all of our socials too or in a podcatcher or any of that stuff. We're around. we got over 350 goddamn episodes at this point. Yeah, um, time keeps on fucking spinning, doesn't slipping. it? Um, slipping. Thank you. I, I fucked it up. But um, yeah, I, I also do graphic design. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not freelance anymore, so I don't exactly... Like okay. the promotion part is uh, isn't so much necessary, but hey, talk to me about design. Talk to me about illustration. We'll have a good time. I'm a very open book. All right, as it were. <laughs> mm-hmm. And on the straight chilling guys, you guys, if you do follow them, join their Slack because it's where we all met, and it's a fucking great community. There's They're pretty much like the best today. friends I have. Is that bad? Yeah. No. <laughs> oh, it's not really bad. I mean, no, we talk to each other every day. That's flattering, but I also want to send you on like a, a, a speed dating friend hour or something. There's like several one. of us that have speed dating friend too. hour. That I'm is waiting. Weird. I'm waiting for the straight show on uh, like podcast network. Yeah. I mean, we we have uh, we have to get a VC fund interested first, and that's uh, <laughs> it's a few decades away, I think. <laughs> But yeah, definitely join in the Slack if you guys are fans of Straight Chillin'. And you should be. If you're not yet, you should be. Um, so it's a great time. Everybody's super positive and supportive. It's a great environment. And, uh, you know, it's like it's like a social lifeline that I have throughout the day. And we're just all chatting and talking and joking and arguing. And But it's all in good fun. So yeah. we strongly recommend. So much of time on your podcast is dedicated to talking about our we podcast. Love, I love Brandon. Love Brandon, I just want to give you a shout out. You're a dick, but I love you, buddy. Hydraberg. <sighs> okay. You're a dick, but I love you is about like the highest level of affection I can imagine. From <laughs> Between two men, yeah. <laughs> okay, that's true. That's how it works. I don't understand male relationships. Okay, anyway, we'll see you guys back here next week <laughs> to talk about Candyman. All right, and keep it creepy.